This podcast is a presentation of UCTV.TV, University of California Television. Like what you learn? Help others discover UCTV podcasts by leaving a comment or rating in iTunes. We are now going to get to hear Rob Lustig and um, not just a kind of chairing the session, but actually telling us what he really thinks. So this is um, a special opportunity for a, a strong message Brace yourselves. There are many slides in a short period. Um, also, I just wanted to mention that Fed Up is now um, being shown, which is a documentary kind of expose on the food industry that's probably powerful than any of its predecessors, and it's um, really based on, on Rob's uh, re- research and message. Thanks, Rob. Thank you. Thank you, Alyssa. Thanks all for being here. Oh. Thanks all for being here, and uh, I think that when we leave today, we will be more confused than when we walked in, but that's probably a good thing. I'm going to confuse you a little bit more. Uh, The question of what happens during pregnancy that ultimately results in both neonatal and childhood adiposity is obviously a very important one, and there are several mechanisms involved, and let's talk about them. I'm to introduce the concepts of mechanism and basic science, and then we'll talk about the clinical empiric data uh, with uh, Dr. Abrams' talk. Uh, So, the question of inevitability. Well, we have genetics as being a primary player in this issue, and we'll talk about that uh, briefly. Epigenetics, uh, the hot button issue in terms of what's going on. Developmental programming, what's happening in the brain and what's happening at the adipocyte. And finally, the question of environment. How does this affect epigenetics? How does this affect developmental programming? And ultimately, how does this affect outcomes? That's what we're going to talk about. So, first of all, I've got the fat bastard gene. Just ask my wife and my kids. (laughs) No, in terms of heritability... (laughs) In terms of heritability, we... uh, Empiric studies suggest that there's about 50% of uh, weight gain that is heritable uh, based on twin and adoption studies. Uh, That's probably correct. But the question is, what is that heritability? Because when you look at the monogenic disorders that cause obesity, and this is just the first slide, how about this one as well? There are a whole bunch of genes that have now been identified by GWAS studies that ultimately are associated with obesity. But when you do the math on this, it's only worth about 10 kilos total. In other words, if you had every bad allele under the sun, it would only account for 10 kilos, but we have a 30 to 40 kilo problem here. Now, this is probably the biggest of the bunch. It's called FTO, and you can see the Manhattan plot down at the bottom in terms of uh, how uh, the odds ratio for obesity. And it turns out that it's about 14% of the population. So one-seventh of us carry this FTO uh, phenotype, and it ultimately results in a significant amount of weight. Expenditure is up in these patients on the left, but look at intake. Intake's even further up, and that's the big problem. So that may explain some of what we're seeing. Now, epigenetics. 
we have Prader-Willi syndrome as sort of the prototype epigenetic abnormality, a change in the genus locus. We have data on inheritance and obesity in type 2 diabetes in PIMAs. We have the question of imprinted uh, obesity-related loci. We have the question of um, uh, variations in DNA methylation in important uh, uh, signal transduction mechanisms like leptin, PPR-alpha, UCP1, and PEPCK. These are all possible nituses of uh, changes in expression. This, a lot of this work done uh, in New Zealand at the Ligonids Institute. And I think that uh, Barbara is going to talk about the transgenerational uh, 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 agouti mouse, where you can actually change the environment change the methylation, and change the risk for obesity, which, of course, is sort of the holy grail of this whole uh, issue. Developmental programming also seems to play an important role, and how epigenetics and developmental programming are different depends on who you talk to. So the concept that prenatal growth predicts adult obesity and type 2 diabetes. Dr. Catalano just told us that pre-gravid weight seems to matter the most. Well, that's very, very important, but there are also issues of how big the baby is when they're born. So small for gestational age babies end up obese, and large for gestational age babies end up obese. Premature babies end up obese. So the question is, what do these all have in common? So this was a study that Dr. Catalano actually referred to uh, from uh, Chitaranjan Yajnik in uh, Pune, India, and you can see that the leptin levels in the babies born in Pune are the same as the leptin levels born in the Indian babies born in London, but the insulin levels are much higher. And insulin blocks leptin signaling, which drives fat gain. And you can see that here, because look at the insulin levels when controlled for birth weight at the bottom here, 55 versus 13. Bottom line, if you are small, smaller than... Uh, uh, you're supposed to be at birth, that insulin resistance is driving your body to say, I need to store more energy because the world out there is a dangerous place. It's hard to get energy. And that drives increased fat deposition and increased leptin levels for the amount of adiposity that's there. And that translates into continued weight gain even after the baby is born. Dr. Catalano showed this slide as well. I feel like I'm giving his talk over. Um, <laughs> large for gestational age and GDM, the worst. But look at large for gestational age in control women who did not have gestational diabetes. Also a problem. Okay. So how does developmental programming work? So how do you get babies that are both small and large for gestational age manifesting the same phenomenon? And the answer is it has to do with insulin. Because both LGA babies and SGA babies are hyperinsulinemic. And what that means is that those babies are going to go on to drive further weight gain because of hyperinsulinemia, irrespective of the environment that they find themselves in after they're born. And that, of course, is the gift that keeps on giving. And as we see in the PIMAs in, and, uh, and the vertical transmission that occurs after, with them. How does that happen? Well, because leptin is an important uh, uh, developmental factor for hypothalamic organization. Because leptin changes how the hypothalamus alters its synapses. And you can see this in the OB-OB mouse. You can see this in the undernourished rat dam uh, uh, model of Peter Gluckman and Mark Vickers. You can see it in the high-fat fed 
uh, rat dam of plagiamin. You can see it in the offspring of the GDM rat as well. And there's also the possibility you could affect this at the level of the fat cell itself, as you see in the dexamethasone-treated rat dam as well. So we're going to go through that real quick. So this is the Vickers data showing that if you undernourish a pregnant mother rat, what you end up with is a very large increase in weight gain in the, uh, in the uh, offspring. And it is completely obviated by giving leptin to the neonatal uh, pup. So by altering the leptin uh, uh, signal transduction uh, milieu at the time of birth, you can obviate the effects of undernutrition. So the question is, what about undernutrition causes this change? And I think the answer is insulin. How about glucocorticoids? Glucocorticoids induce adipocyte differentiation. What they do is they alter stem cell, mesenchymal stem cell uh, uh, lineage from myotubes and muscle to adipocytes. So Dr. Catalano told you not only did the fat mass matter, but the lean mass mattered as well. So what transfers lean mass to fat mass? The answer, glucocorticoids. So he also told you about inflammation being an important uh, uh, determinant in terms of how you end up uh, 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 with increased adiposity. Well, that inflammation could drive glucocorticoid secretion in the fetus, therefore driving increased fat deposition. And you can see this is a, uh, from Jonathan Seckel and Mandy Drake, uh, this is the, the pathways that they say that the adverse maternal environment alters fetal overexposure to glucocorticoids. There's increased glucocorticoids and 11-beta-HSD1 in the placenta, driving increased glucocorticoid availability. That ultimately leads to epigenetic modifications, changes in organ structure, more fat laid down, and therefore more adult disease. So you can have a problem at the brain. You can have the problem at the fat cell. Both will drive increased obesity later. I'll pass this for time. And then finally, the environment. Could prenatal exposure to environmental toxins cause obesity as well? And there have been several conferences, a Gordon and an AAAS symposium, and more recently an ECO conference that I attended uh, uh, two years ago that looked at the question of what about things that are in the environment? Estrogens, organotins, phthalates, organochlorines, dioxins, these are all persistent organic pollutants that do not leave. They come and they stay. As an example, DDT is something that disappeared from America in 1972, yet DDE, a metabolite of DDT, levels can be found in pregnant mothers today, and DDE levels in mother's urine predicts neonatal uh, adiposity at age three. So this is a huge question. So maybe this is one of the things that's driving this. When you do the data, when, the, when you do the math, this might actually account for about 10 to 15 percent of uh, of the uh, adipocyte burden uh, of newborns. Let's just give you an example of how this works. Here's an estrogen, DES. Everybody's familiar with diethylstilbestrol. But it's not an estrogen because it doesn't have the uh, anthracyclic, um, uh, uh, you know, four-ring uh, 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 structure. It's completely different. Well, all you need to be an estrogen in this world is 20, uh, two hydroxyl groups, 22 angstroms apart and you're an estrogen. And there are a lot of compounds that do that. And here are two of them that we're exposed to every single day. Bisphenol A, BPA, and genistein, which is the soy estrogen. These are two 
uh, compounds that we are exposed to at great uh, frequency. So when you give DES to a rat in doses that don't cause vaginal cancer, one thousandth of the doses that cause vaginal cancer, what do you get instead? You get obesity. You get increased weight gain, as you can see in this, and it's all fat. And you can see here the increase in body weight in female mice by giving BPA during a critical period in the uh, rat's development. And this is work from Bruce Blumberg. Genistein as well, same thing. This is a soy estrogen. Well, what's our diet currently composed of? Corn and soy. So we're getting you know, huge doses of this, and at least in an animal model, this causes an enormous amount. So there are associations between these environmental obesogens and human obesity. Soy-based formulas, BPA, phthalates, other POPs, PCBs, and DDE, as I mentioned. But these are associations. These are very hard studies to do in terms of causation. The best you can do is prospective association. And here's the one that we have, is that intrauterine exposure to DDE and PCBs predict BMI scores in toddlers between ages one and three. So you have to look at predictive data because obviously doing a mechanistic or uh, a, a randomized control trial is not an option. So for more in interest or information, uh, this book, uh, Obesity Before Birth, which goes through these four separate mechanisms, genetics, epigenetics, developmental programming, and finally, environmental toxicants. The conclusions. There are many pathways of vertical transmission of the mother to future obesity in the uh, uh, offspring. And some alter CNS signaling, others alter neonatal adipocyte burden. We have a problem with both. It's no wonder that we are seeing the enormous uh, increase in obesity in newborns. Four studies. Israel, South Africa, Russia, the United States, 200 grams extra in terms of body weight over the past 20 years. And when you do the DEXA scanning, that's all adipose tissue. So it can't be about you eat too much, you exercise too little, because if newborns get it, that means it's not about personal responsibility, it's about the environment. And if the environment is the problem, we have to solve that. So... With that, I will close. You've been listening to a podcast by University of California Television. For more information about this program or UCTV, visit us online at uctv.tv.